0: I was just praying for the service and I thought of the verse and it's, it says you have, you have 10,000 believers in Christ watch over you, but you don't have many fathers. And I, I believe that really, honestly, the key to the next generation of the church becoming what it's supposed to become in America, all over the world is, is fathers raising up to raise up the family. Cause if God's government is family, we have to have fathers, not guardians. And, and David and Narelle carry the spirit in, of fathering. And, and I, I told this to Norrell last night, I also mothers, but I want to say that because sometimes we have that as a lower place and it's not. And it's so important that, that I want you to receive the word today. I want you to receive the spirit of the word today from a father and I know that when we used to go to my, my grandparents house for Christmas when grandpa spoke everybody listened Right, because he was saying something he was addressing the family because it mattered even when he was telling a joke it mattered right because he was trying to show us how to live and so I want to encourage you this morning as David and Norrell come up have your hearts open for what the Lord wants to do and to receive. Because I, I feel like the Lord spoke to me about this weekend and that this weekend was a weekend of impartation. And whether anyone lays hands on you or not, we we have to understand that God is going to be imparting things to us today. So what we want to do is, is we're, I'm going to come up afterwards and, and take the toolbox offering, but I want you to be ready to sow into David and Narel and their ministry and what God's doing. Because if we have fathers among us, we want to bless them so that they can go father others. Yes? Amen? So y'all, y'all got to do better than that for our guests today, all right? So I'm just going to ask you actually to stand and welcome them as they come.
1: Thank you. I'm going to thank you. I like that. <laughs> I'm just going to start, and David will come and I'm, I'm promising him that I won't take all his time. I'm trying to promise him that I won't take all his time. Um, I actually have a have a prophetic word. It was a word actually that God gave me. Am I doing something wrong? Okay. It was a, a word God gave me in December when I started asking Him what was on His heart uh, for this coming year for t- 2021, but I felt that he he was saying to me, "Only give the word when I ask you to give the word." You know, it's not as if it's the word of the Lord that all the nation should hear. Kind of approach. He said, "I just," he said, it, "It's a word that will fit in some places, and so I, I want you just to give it when I say." And so I felt he had said for me to share it here. But before I give that word, this is why I had to assure David I wouldn't take all his time. There were two things happening in worship that I feel I need to. To just mention. Um, the first one was um, I really felt the presence of a really big angel. And I know that there's been some things happening where you've had a sense of that. But I, I, it was kind of interesting because it reminded me, well, it, it took me immediately to a time, and we, I know our accent doesn't sound like American. So, we, yes, we are from Sydney, Australia, but we are now living in Colorado, in Denver. And I remember the time distinctly because it was the Sunday straight after the election. And um, I was in worship. I was just down the front, I had my eyes closed, my hands up, and just worshiping God. And I I felt what, what what I thought was somebody touching me on my elbow. And first of all, I thought it was David trying to nicely interrupt my worship, um, or maybe somebody needed something. And and so I I looked, you know, I opened my eyes and looked, and there was nobody there. In fact, um, because of you know the pandemic, everybody was spacing even in worship, and and so there was actually nobody there. And I thought oh oh that's that's unusual and and kind of, but it was so distinct i um I pressed into it, and then I really felt the presence of a very, very, very tall angel next to me and um and I just kind of it was interesting because the word today who had that was leaning leaning in, and there was just that sense because I didn't feel him saying something, but I felt encouraged to lean into that heavenly atmosphere that I felt he was representing. And I kept on with my worship and then a little bit later I felt this bump on my other elbow and by this time I'm thinking, well, it must be David now because it's the other side, you know, it's what. And he, David had actually wandered up the back. So again, there was nobody around. And so I pressed in and I'm, I'm saying this not so much to be information but an encouragement that when we sense God's presence, um, there's a response. It's not just us being here. Oh, but how do we respond? And so, as I, I pressed in that more, I just felt Him very, very strongly saying, "I want my people to lift their eyes up. The, the, the God wants us to lift our eyes up." And I felt as that angel this morning, and I particularly was sensing him moving around here this morning. And I, 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 I it was, my first thing was, oh, just a reminder of heavenly presence. But then, as I pressed in a little bit more, um, I felt like the Lord was saying as as a reminder because of that angel being here and what the angel was was doing was there was this encouragement to us no condemnation by the way but a recognition that we get so consumed with all the things and it was like we're, we're, our eyes are down with all the, the busyness, the responsibilities. Yes, some cares and concerns, but just the busyness, the responsibilities of life. And I felt him saying, I'm, I'm encouraging the people in their praise to live in praise that lifts your eyes up. Because there's a help. And then. At, at the same time, in well, not at the same time, throughout the worship, I just kept coming to the verse. I'm not going to read it all, but it's from Matthew. I'm reading the one from Matthew six. I think it's in other as well, and and the and it was so consistent with this this encouragement for us, not just in a time when we're here corporately worship worshiping, which is wonderful that we lift our eyes to God, but rather it was an invitation to live like this, to live in. In such praise that what flows from him will give insight and understanding to all the things around. And so those verses in chapter 6 of of Matthew are talking about, um, I'm telling you, don't worry about stuff. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. Don't even worry about your clothes. And it's not saying that they're unimportant He's just got a way of providing that we don't understand when we're focused on looking down to solve, that we actually need to look up and recognise. And, and And he said and this is the, this is the part that stood out and he's he's referencing the birds and and flowers and grass and pretty all ordinary things in a way and he says i want you to look at them because they're not sowing they're not trying to, they're not trying to store up for fear of the future my my translation because <laughs> it says they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and i felt like the lord was saying to us and wanting to say to us Some of the people here today, it might apply to all of us, you're so concerned at the provision for the future that you're not receiving the peace he currently has for you. That you can't live in the joy of praise knowing that we have a father. And then the verse that stood out was, are you not more valuable? I look after the birds, he says. I delight in the flowers. You are way, way more valuable. So I just wanted to share that this morning. I just felt like that's a word for someone, maybe many of us. You are valuable and your future is secure in him. So lift up your eyes and praise him and live. Now I'm going to give you my other word. And it was interesting because as you were singing the first song today, which is I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, I thought, ah, that just kind of flows with what I had. And so I was, I was just asking God in, in December, Lord, what's on your heart for 2021? And I'm going to read some of it because I wrote it down. He said, I have a gift for my people this year. That's the year we're in now. It is the gift of peace. It's not a gift in the way the world gives a gift or in the world experiences peace, but it is my, my peace and it is my gift to my people. And I felt he gave me a picture of saying, the gift that I'm giving is tailor-made and actually even wrapped in a way that would be so right for each of us individually it's a peace that is tailor made for you and the circumstances of your year be it now or as it unfolds for the rest of the year and he said it it you know immediately those verses came to mind in in john of you know i give you a peace it's not how the world gives um so don't, so don't live troubled don't live with fear But very specifically in this year, if there's something that edges up to us and even reasonably demands that we be concerned or anxious, he said, receive the gift that I've got for you, tailor-made, wrapped in a way that you would just know would be right for you. And other verses like, I've told you this because yeah, in the world there'll be trouble. It's a given that there's going to be messiness around us. The enemy wants to waylay us when that messenger comes, and we don't have answers and and lift our hands and woe and we 're looking down and God's saying, "Lift up your eyes i've got a gift of peace, trouble doesn't bother God, and he's living in you he's living in you, so peace is in you and is within you." and in the, the um passion translation, I leave the gift of peace with you. It's my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be in trouble or be troubled in your hearts. instead be courageous um and and he says you know i've 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 overcome the world, so take heart um, in, in in the in the sense of all of that. Um, and in the joy of knowing that he was going to be giving us a peace that would be right for us personally, individually, as a family, as a congregation, as bigger and beyond that, just so right for us, I felt then he say, but there is a key to receiving the fullness of the peace, the peace that will sometimes settle the storm or the peace that will ride you through the storm. And the key to it is intimacy with me. And when he said that, and I was taking this word for me very personally, I was saying, well, God, I love that. I love intimacy. And then my kind of my next thought to myself was, but I've been walking in intimacy and desiring intimacy for years. Don't I already know about intimacy I wasn't I wasn't questioning God but I was also saying well I I I love intimacy that's how I want to live my life That's how I've been choosing to live my life and I felt like God say you don't know anything yet about intimacy not in a way of condemnation but as invitation That in this year of giving you peace, he's actually inviting you in to an intimacy, a closeness, a knowing him and him knowing you, us opening ourselves to trust him as he opens himself up and he said, you're going to discover depths and heights and dimensions of my love because I give it so generously, so excessively, so, and I so, so, so want to pour out my love. So I'm inviting you, receiving the gift of peace, but I'm inviting you into a year of unfolding, deepening intimacy. And I have to say, I felt incredibly humbled by that. The great God of the universe would look at me and you and say like that verse that I just read out, you are so valuable, so valuable, so valuable that not only would Jesus say, I'd give my life for you, but I want an ongoing, ever-increasing knowing of you and you knowing of me that your mind could not comprehend or imagine. So I'm just going to pray it in for us. Why I wait for an impartation at the end when he's already been walking around and his angels are here. So we just, we open our hearts to you. And we just say, Lord, we we confess that we know you're the God of um, handling storms, but we also confess that in our humanity we've been overwhelmed by the storm when you were desiring to overwhelm us with your love and so lord we just simply lift our eyes to you lift our eyes into the the realm of your love receive as it were the gift of peace that is so beautiful we're almost inclined to say oh it looks so wonderful i can't open it but we do because it is to be opened It is to be received. It is not to be put on the shelf and admired. It is to become a part of us. And through that we say yes. Yes to your invitation to ever increasing intimacy, understanding, knowing and being known. And where the enemy would want to try and trip us up with things that would say I'm either not worthy or what about this or maybe I'll clean up a little bit because I'm a bit smelly today that Jesus you just remind us that the father while the prodigal was so much in a mess wrapped his beautiful pure clean robe and so we receive everything that you have for us and we say yes yes to a year of walking in your peace, receiving your gift, coming closer, knowing more, not information, but transforming in your love. That 2020, 2021 may be a year of turmoil in the natural, but we're riding it through with you in ever increasing waves of love, mercy, and great joy and delight in his presence. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Introduce my wonderful husband, David. We have been married 47 years and still happily in love, so that's kind of wonderful. And uh, we have two children... One of our children now lives in Dallas, so we feel like Texas is also going to have to be our home. So, so that's, we've just spent a few days be- with them before we came here. So, um, I know you're going to be blessed. I know a little of what he might say, and it's going to be wonderful.
2: Thank you. I get to take her home. <laughs> uh, I'm told I'm supposed to be up there because it's better, and uh, I'm hoping it might be also. So, it's really wonderful to be with you guys. You know, this church is, and Tim and Elizabeth, you know, you're, you're among our favourite people. So it was just great to get an invitation to come back. That's a easy, you know, shall I talk to the Lord, you know, half a millisecond later, yes. And uh, so uh, it's just really good. Um, uh, can I commend you, encourage you? I'm not asking for your permission because I'm going to do it anyway. Um but uh, there's a there's a momentum that you have managed to continue um, despite the fact that we've we've had a crazy year. You know, last year was a year where most things got upended. Um, the way we we do social things totally got thrown out. Um, churches began to question their identity um and purpose, and began to question what do we do when we start up again, um, if in fact you had stopped, um, you by the way didn't stop, and churches that are waiting to start up again so they could do same old, are going to find that uh, life's moved on, really, um, I don't know what church is going to look like, other than I've given permission to God to expand, uh, change my mind about what what it should be. We sang a song. Actually, I, I love worship today, and uh, we sang a song. There was singing about revival, and and then the reference was coming back to love, worse that effect. And uh, I leaned over to Narelle and said, they 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 really got. The heart of what revival is about because, um, coming back, what's the expression that was in the love's returning? And, uh, I, you know, if you specialized in love and that was the only thing you did and got good at it, you wouldn't need to do anything else. Three or four got that because our internals, our, our wiring that says, you know, this is the structure of my security in my life and I can predict even what I think about. Um, it can't be because there's a whole lot of other stuff that I need to learn and put into place and get good at and get mature about. And and it's, it's a constant learning. There's always the approach to the throne but never getting there. Whereas love is a shortcut. Does that make sense? So, and you guys are... Are doing that, and I, I I commend you for it. There's lots of things about life and the spirit ministry, particularly in the spirit that I don't know about. You know, the, the help God help God prayer is a good one at all times, and uh, because you're not quite sure what spirit's going to do next, other than you know, let's see which way's the wind going, and uh, and I'm reminded of and having started this, I wanted to. My disclaimer is I know nothing about it. Quantum physics or quantum mechanics is one of these mysterious things. Yet I'm intrigued by it. The more I know about it, the less I know about it. And it seems like that is a common phrase used by quantum physicists. The more we learn about it, the less we know about it. But there's an aspect that I just want to raise up before I get into talking about... Uh, I'm, I'm always talking about what I want to talk about, so I won't say until I get to talk about what I want to talk about because, you know, it's just... That's why I like these guys, because uh, uh, you know good friends uh, do with conversation um, like someone on a soccer team. You've, you've, you've got to know the direction you're trying to kick the darn ball in. If you don't, it's awkward. <laughs> and I really like these guys because we get together, and you know there are balls of conversation that we find each other kicking down the same road in the same direction, and uh, and that's always good. And I commend that process with you. Back to quantum physics. If a subatomic particle the size of your fist existed its partner probably would be several million miles away. That's some of the incredible relative distances in the realm of quantum mechanics, quantum physics. An interesting part of that is if this particle started to vibrate, its partner several million miles away would vibrate exactly the same time. Go figure but it goes some way to describing how the Spirit operates when he causes us to vibrate together because we love each other. Does that make sense? I can't remember whether I told you this. I know I told you a couple of stories about one of my brothers who was an ex-atheist and came back um, very warm, very hot, very hard, hard in the sense of purpose, Um, very soft-hearted guy. But I remember when he first came into our church again, he he walked in, he looked around, this sort of look of wonder came across his face and he was not looking at the architecture. He went up to people and started hugging on them. But it wasn't the sort of, boom, boom. He lingered. He stayed there and he hugged them until they were looking at me saying, What's going on here? Come come rescue me <laughs> And he goes, Oh David. He says the vibration all of these is just so amazing I want to have some of that. And I thought, Oh boy, we we live our lives in which I was gonna say distracted. Most of us are not distracted. We we are fully intentional. But we're so intentional, we, we miss a lot. And we forget that we're in this atmosphere of oscillating, which is the term he used, or vibrating, love because of the presence of the Spirit. We, we, we forget. We forget. And if we pause a moment just to delve into the experience of the vibration of heaven which of course is what impartation is about, because you can't define for me what impartation is when I pray for you or lay hands on you or even think about you. Now that's a little bit of an expansion, isn't it? We are actually imparting heaven's quantum vibration. Does that make sense? That's why it's meaningful to be together. You know, you translate the verse, you know, don't forget oscillating together don't forget to get together for a weekly vibration <laughs> because you you begin to resonate the same as others around and uh, you know they have begun to resonate because of either an encounter with god or because they met someone else you get into the realm of of that resonance You begin to resonate as well. Does that make sense? And love is the best enhancer of that resonance. Last night I I, I had a dream. I I dream a lot, some I remember. This particular dream, I I was playing a keyboard with others who were somewhat distant, but we were melded together as part of this this team. The stage that we're on, and eat your heart out all the musicians here, um, was on this, in this sort of massive, massive, massive stadium and in fact the stage level and the level where my keyboard was and others, it was, it was about you know, how you go into a football field and you see the lights. It was up about as high as the lights and that was halfway up the stage area. It was huge. But we began to play this song, and uh, it built. The song wasn't complex. It was really, you know, I, I, I woke up and I still, in fact, I played the notes, the keys, in my mind because I remembered them. And it just resonated for so long. And in the, in the dream, it was, it was just such, I don't know how to describe it, expansive resonating now we use that word this morning resonating worship that grew and grew and built up and continued to build up and got louder but the loudness wasn't painful it just became more expansive and it just filled and and we were only practicing can't wait to get on tonight when we do that because we we're, we're just you know in in harmony with the the technicians who are able to Masterfully build the, the whole ambience of sound, we were going to climb into this realm of worship that just would just carry us away. And I began to hear some of that resonance in our worship this morning. It wasn't the same song, but it was the same family. And I'm going to encourage you. That's, that's my encouragement to you, and if prophecy is encouragement, well, you're getting one. And, uh, is just learn to resonate with each other. Learn to resonate in your worship and learn to find fulfillment in resonating in love for another because you are so brilliantly excited every time you see each other. Does that make sense? I'm going to take you to Mark. I'd like to take you to the first four chapters, but I'll start in chapter six. Just for the sake of time. There are a few things that that come out. I didn't realize until I was just reading it through again because I missed that that Jesus had uh, uh, had experience with three boat trips just in those first few chapters. You know, one was a storm, and you know they were amazed that you know he slept through the storm and then then spoke, and the storm became still. Keeping in mind, Jesus, I think, is one of those. You know, he's not subatomic, he made them. stilling a storm when you're God of the quantum physics of the universe, no problem, no problem. He can resonate and the storm just gets in alignment. Either way, that's our role. All, and let me paraphrase a little bit, a lot, all the resonance of my quantum capacity I give to you because I want you to function the way I function. There's a thing also with the disciples through these various experiences that they went through, and they were testing. The storm was testing for them as you know they were terrified. Um, Jesus walking across the water. Uh, you know, Jesus hadn't manifested himself quite that way before, but he comes, I don't know how he did it, but you know he, he commanded the water to be solid enough to walk on. And he was walking, maybe gliding, maybe skipping, maybe kicking, kicking water around. And the disciples were terrified because he hadn't done it that way before. How much do we miss out on because it's not presented in our customary fashion? We miss it. There's another thing that they missed as well. You know, Jesus fed the 5,000, he did miracles. The whole beginning of Mark there is just full of of different miracles. And yet the disciples seem to get stuck in the surroundings of their immediate circumstances and they didn't have the capacity to thread together. Oh, Jesus did that then and Jesus rested in the boat uh, in the middle of the storm Um And Jesus fed the five thousand when we started with nothing. Um, they seemed to forget that there was a thread of consistency through there that would have built their faith if they hadn't got stuck in immediacy. Does that make sense? You know oh we're 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 now in a storm and Jesus chides them for forgetting the feeding of the thousands. What's that got to do floating in water? Here we are, we're we're trying to keep this boat afloat and trying to get to our destination, forgetting again Jesus said, we're going there. Anywhere Jesus says you're going to go, that's where you're going to go. Except they're going to give you an exception to that shortly. And so they're flat out trying to save themselves and getting a little upset about Jesus who decided at that moment to rest in the middle of the toughest circumstances Jesus chills out. If I ask everyone to raise their hands to say, do you think Jesus is a model of how we should live our lives? Yeah, all of you. Yeah, you'd raise three hands if you had them. Nothing that Jesus did was unstrategic. And later on, and this is the, the area I'm going to read, um, the disciples forgot yet again. So, prophetic word King, please remember not to forget, or don't forget to remember whichever way you want that. But remember the consistent pattern of God's guiding and so when you end up in a brand new circumstance that your normal routine is to become a panic merchant, remember the consistency of how God operates and why shouldn't he operate the same way, even if it may look different. Chapter 6, verse 30, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. The apostles returned from their mission, and uh, you know, the, the sequence of the story uh, in Mark here they'd just gone through uh, John the Baptist, who was you know the, the presenter of Jesus, he was the forerunner and he'd just lost his head you know we, we'd uh, get our church into sort of counseling mode if, if that happened to us, and it's not insignificant but And my talk today is not about Jesus' reaction to John the Baptist's death, other than I have a notion that Jesus had a party for him when he went back. Uh, I think you you weren't expecting heaven this week. So the apostles returned from their mission, which included the experience of John the Baptist and, and sundry other ones, and gathered around Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. There was such a swirl of activity around Jesus with so many people coming and going that they were unable to even eat a meal. So Jesus said to the disciples, come, let's take a break, find a secluded place where you can rest a while. They slipped away, left by sailboat, this is number two experience with the boats, for a deserted spot. There is a purposeful, strategic, Example, Jesus was leaving here. In the midst of greatest turmoil, we need to take an adjustment rest. We need to align ourselves with what God is doing because the busyness of everything, even if you are surrounded by repeated dramatic miracles, there's none of us mature enough not to be distracted by the greatness of miracles. And I'm not saying they're a bad thing. Jesus says come come aside a while and rest and reorient yourself to the resonance of the Father you know I could say like the Anglicans do there and of the lesson but I'm going to press on after this time of rest you know it was the only miracle that's reported in all the gospels and that's the feeding of the thousands let's say 5,000 families You know, that would distract the disciples quite considerably to find that they were the the best Kroger in the district. Because I don't think Jesus broke every piece of bread, filled up their baskets, now go deliver. I think a lot of that bread was, was broken as the disciples carried those baskets around. People reached in, probably not so politely, and grabbed what they wanted breaking off as they went, and those broken pieces just were replenished. If I were there, I'd I'd want to sit down and contemplate a bit, except there are a few thousand people to feed. Verse 45, after everyone had their meal, Jesus instructed his disciples to get back into the boat and go ahead of him and sail to the other side of Bethsaida. Bethsaida means the place of fish. So go back to uh, your old fishing haunts. So he dispersed the crowd, said goodbye to his disciples, and then slipped away to re-resonate. Slipped away to get moved by God who can easily from heaven move in a quantum fashion so Jesus responds to his father's resonance. Slipped away to pray on the mountain. As night fell, the boat was in the middle of the lake, is the third experience and Jesus was alone on the land, separated from them. But, if you keep in mind what quantum means, did it matter? Just a thought. The wind was against the disciples, and he could see that they were straining at the oars, trying to make headway. When it was almost morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the surface of the water. No wonder they were terrified. And he started to pass them by. Let's see what these guys are up to. I'll just glide by. There's another experience, not quite the same because it didn't have any water, but it was in the upper room after the crucifixion. He glided in and said peace to them. Why? Because they are terrified yet again. That time he filled them with the Spirit. He breathed, received the Spirit. Think quantum. God can invent quantum mechanics. Don't you think the Spirit, who is the master of quantum resonance, wouldn't fill them and totally change them? Thank you, one got it. And when they saw him walking on the waves, they thought he was a ghost and screamed out in terror. Again, oh, you know, something presents that they're not used to, ta-da! They all become little girls. I shouldn't say that these days, should I? They all became little boys. <laughs> but he said to them at once Keep in mind that when Jesus spoke, things changed. When we speak, things change. Think quantum. And quantum is only, even though we don't understand it properly, we don't understand fully about the Holy Spirit either. But it helps us connect a little bit. So he said this, and I'll I'll just pause a bit here. We've just gone through a crazy year. Now, 2020 will be memorialized as a year to forget. So we're rowing flat out in our 2020 boat going into our 2021 boat and we're still pulling against the waves because we're not through it yet. God presents differently. Amen. And God will present differently because I think, I'm not saying God sent COVID, but he certainly sent the opportunity that COVID brought. So we need not fear it. There is nothing to fear. Listen to Jesus words here and apply them to us as as we are navigating through this this period of time and this year. Don't yield to fear. Keep in mind quantum God's words resonate in such a way that they are capable capable of creating. They are capable of healing. They are capable of settling troubled hearts. They are capable and powerful. Do not yield to fear. And the church needs to hear that now because I don't know how many church I don't know how many Christians have existed. Do you mind if I become Australian for a moment? I'm not going to become fully Australian because you'd, you'd need to filter <laughs> We've had a golden opportunity in these in this last twelve months to demonstrate how to behave as as God filled people. And I've been appalled at how dismal we have reacted. Just at a time when, you know, I believe and you guys have been doing it because I asked, and uh, you know, taking taking authority over COVID, taking a stand because we have been appointed as God's resonance points to speak, resonate, in such a way we change the environment around us. So Jesus calling out, do not be afraid. He changed the dimensions that surrounded him. He changed the resonance. Have courage. You know, don't be so... Chicken-hearted just because you've got a wave or two coming your way. Don't suddenly have your faith disappear because we don't know how to handle COVID properly. To mask or not to mask, that's the question. (laughs) Let's grow up, shall we? It's really me. I am. So in other words, guys, don't be afraid about what surrounds you and what your circumstances really are. Have courage, because courage is the only thing that's going to give you energy to deal with what you need to do. We still need to get to the shore, remember. Amen. It's really me. You wouldn't want it to be anyone else. It's really me. And then he uses uses the God description, I am. It's really me, the I am. There is no need for you to be filled with fear or discouragement. Then he came closer and climbed into the boat with them. Oh, that feels better now. Jesus has his way on in boats in rocky conditions. And immediately, the stormy wind became still. Keep in mind, there's no record of Jesus actually saying anything. Unless when he said, do not be afraid, have courage, it is I, be afraid, storm, submit, if you got that. They were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment. They were certainly given to triggered emotions because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of the loaves and their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. I provide everything that you have and supernaturally you saw that and it happened in your hands and you forgot about that. And so you come to a few measly waves on a lake right in the realm of your greatest experience as fishermen and you push the panic button. And I think it wasn't just physical fear they had. They were spiritually afraid because they, I think, became less adept at the confidence of being fishermen than they used to have because they have changed their occupation. And Jesus says, basically, could we say it the reverse? He said... You know, this wouldn't have troubled you at all if you had remembered the consistent way I move and I work. So we come to 2020, 2021. Oh, dang, God, where are you? Because now we're in big trouble and and we can't wear masks or should wear masks. What happened to you? You forgot the consistent lessons of the way God led then the next verse is interesting because it said uh, they made landfall at Gennesaret. By the way, do you remember where they were headed? Bethsaida. Storm comes and Jesus says, let's go to Bethsaida. But the storm comes, he stills that, and then they arrive at Gennesaret. Gennesaret actually means the place of the harp, or can we just extrapolate a little bit and say the place of worship. So they left Or we're headed for the place of, of best identity, the place where they fish. I'm going back to that which I'm comfortable with. I'm going back to where my expertise doesn't need to be stretched too much. A storm comes. Jesus gets in the boat with them, and they find themselves, they make landfall at Gennesaret, the place of the heart. So the storm became a diversion into a place of worship. We've got a few things to learn haven't we? Is your default position trust? Or do you need a presence of God reminder, which is good by the way, to come and still the storm while you're in the boat to take you to the place he actually intends you to be. What stories would have been written about the disciples that weren't guys Peter, row unison, mate. Oh, the waves are getting high. Ho, ho, adventure. <laughs> we can do this. We've done this before. And by the way, did you see how Jesus provided? Ha, what's he going to do this time? How would the story have been different? So instead of getting panicked because you don't know where you're going, trust him to take you to the place were of the greatest connection, and that's worship, Nazareth. The moment they got out of the boat, everyone recognized it was Jesus, the healer. He was one group of people who, who were consistent. Jesus was the healer there. He must still be the healer now. So they ran throughout the region, evangelism. We found the best story ever in Jesus, come and get healed telling the people, bring all the sick, even those who are too sick to walk, and bring them on mats. In my mind, I got them. Yeah, they carry them on mats, on rods, or they could just drag them. We're a lot more sanitized when we read these stories, don't we? Come on, we're nearly there. Don't worry, you'll be able to walk back. You know, we get so stereotyped with our own expectations and we story shift. We make sanitized stories that suit us. Let's be observant and see what story God is threading. I know I'm mixing the metaphors, but that was the point Jesus chided them. Didn't you see how I threaded your journey up to this point? And why now when your circumstances are a little more testing? Do you suddenly think, all oh, that doesn't matter? Just a thought. Wherever he went in the countryside, the villages or the towns, they placed the sick on mats in the streets or in the public places and begged him, saying, let us just touch the tassel of your prayer shawl. And all who touched him were instantly healed. We're wondering what the church looks like in the future. We know it's going to be different. We also know it has to be different. <laughs> I don't think there's one person here saying, Well, you know, the next twenty years are going to be exactly the same as the last five years. Yeah, you'd be bored out of your brains. I used to tell our church, If we look the same in five years, come and give me a hit because we should have changed by then. But humans are uh, we have this strong penchant to not change because we think not changing is our best security. It's true. Otherwise you wouldn't do it. We, we need to change. Now just think if church became a place, and I'm not suggesting you actually do this, but it, why not? Because we're not doing it now. Um, is, is create prayer tassels all up the aisles and everybody who touched those were healed. Have a change the way we do church. I'm just painting a picture, saying, "Don't get stuck in the rut you've been in, because the rut you've been in got you to here. We need to go on from here." I say, "I'm into that," and Jesus' counsel to us is is really good, especially as we embark on change, especially change we don't know how it looks yet. I've often said, you know, I. I in the 20th century or 21st century we, uh, we have the disadvantage, well we have the advantage of knowing much more about what the disciples did and said and taught and Jesus because it was written down. The problem we have is we know what they said and did and taught and uh, we don't place ourselves in their environment where everything was brand new. Wait to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, nobody had a clue what that meant, really. Other than, oh yeah, we're not supposed to move out of Jerusalem till we get filled with the Spirit. You know, are, are we filled yet? Um, they had no idea. They definitely had an idea when the Spirit came. And so change that we embark, because the Spirit directed us there, will become shaped by him, defined by him. You know, He gets to create the environment that we, by explanation, create pictures about. So let's not create in advance what we haven't seen, but let's ask the Spirit who has seen everything to create that for us and say, we have courage, we're going to come to you. You've diverted us from the place of our occupation through the storm that we're trying to rebuke. Jesus managed to rebuke. Actually, all he did was sit in the boat, and the storm stilled. In on that story, so let's not be daunted by what's going to happen. Do you know what full, empowered, resonating, transforming love is? Would you like to find out? Stay loving each other, and go on that exploration trip. You know, it's it's. It's really interesting, and I talk a lot on grace, and I did that last time, and uh, I wasn't going to mention that, but I have now. People are so frightened of the freedom of grace, so frightened of of thinking grace is something else than it is, and need to balance grace with something that suffocates the life out of you. All those who are so frightened of hyper-grace, I've not heard one of them suggest that we balance grace with love. And yet Jesus and Paul were very adamant, you know, love fulfills everything. Love will fulfill exactly what grace is destined for us. And and I'll wrap with this because uh, even though I was told to stop at 2 (laughs) o'clock, I lie, I lie. Um, The outcome of grace as you go through Galatians is a group of people who are motivated and empowered by grace to love each other so much they are willing to become slaves for each other so that they build each other up, relations 5. If we spent the whole of 2021 learning to love, we're heading some way towards Jesus saying, you know, everybody will know you are my disciples. So we do all sorts of training except about loving. Maybe we can start to love. And then we can find out, and this is a little bit of a push into imagination, based on teaching. Jesus talked about sowing seed and then harvesting that seed. He said the angels were the harvesters. They would separate wheat from tares. Christians like to specialize in separating tares ministries. But it's the angels' job to to do that. And also to gather, my question is, what kind of barn do we build, or what kind of barns do we build that angels would love to bring harvested wheat to? Let's become that barn. Not being afraid, full of courage, recognizing Jesus, knowing the I am, and that we resonate with the principles of heaven. Something beyond our understanding, but is observable. I'm looking forward to what this year brings. Do you? All right, we've painted some areas. Now I can say, you know, all you adventures and pipes, go and explore. And when you're bored about love, you can find something else to do. And we stand. I know we're 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 on the tail end of social distancing, and let's speak well to the tail end, because we're going to vibrate. With our love for one another. Keep it really simple. We don't have to be strange, although these days loving each other closely is strange. I just want you to hug if you don't mind. If you want a social distance and this is going too far, feel free just to say thank you. Let's just wave our hands at each other (laughs) and not touch you. You're free to do that. You certainly won't offend me But you'll be engaged. Let's hug each other and say, I love you. In the name of Jesus. Then I want you to look into each other's eyes and just allow your eyes to light up and say, Oh, I light up when I see you. All right, we're about to wrap up. But I'd like to pray for you if that's alright. Hey, stop loving each other. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I want you to keep in mind Jesus saying what he said when he brought that storm to an end and he met again with the disciples. Do not be afraid, have courage. It is I am, it is I And I want you to keep in mind the quantum power of resonance. You can't help it. We are lived in and dwelt in, if you want to use a more familiar word, by a resonating Holy Spirit. That's the principle of the kingdom. That's the principle of heaven. And I do not think one moment heaven is, you know, several light years up there somewhere. If Jesus could get back to us from the Father in one day, uh, it's much closer than we think. Just thought, Father, we just thank you. Just calling you that makes us one. And we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you that you are the head of the kingdom that you ask us to ask you to send. May your kingdom indeed come. May that resonating capacity of unity and connection and love be in our midst. Grow our characters and our, our together character as a community who who loves each other dearly and deeply. May that become the characteristic that we'll be flat out trying to tell angels to stop bringing people. Pray a blessing on the leadership here in the church. first thing that came to mind when I just said that, oh, there's going to be change. But I want to assure you, you're keeping it fast (laughs) us. The way we we do things, the way we administrate, is going to change. People who get to be the most influential are the people who love most. Just sign up for that. Father, you've promised us that you would transform and change us. We ask that this church, your country, Christian church, will become this lighthouse of love we're healthy, we're bold, we're adventuresome, we live with the Spirit, and we can't quench the fruit that is good. And I bless you with that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you. Awesome. I just want to Make sure that we sow into David and Narel. I I I just want to say this: that um, earlier when I said that we're sowing into the Father, oh, we're sowing into the future of the church as we sow into them. And so let's let's be generous and bless them today. And uh, can we just thank them one more time for the word today? Amen. So we're just gonna. And with this, our giving, if you want to give online, you can do it through the toolbox um, on the e- Easy Tithes. So we just bless you. We say go and love deeply this week, and let's see who the Lord brings in our path to love this week. So bless you guys in Jesus' name.